This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. I want to talk to you for a minute, a few minutes. I don't know how long I asked a minute ago what time we had to quit today because I'm just not in the mood to really quit. So I don't really know, but I got a thought and really something that the Lord's put on my heart, but if I could really title it, it would just be not my problem. Not my problem. You ever have situations in life Something comes up and somebody wants to start talking to you about it and you're just like, yeah, well, that's not my problem. You ever had those? You don't want to deal with those? Not my problem. Why are you telling me I really don't care? It's not my problem. And in John chapter 2, the story takes place. I was never a fan of weddings until I married Micah. I was a fan of our own wedding. But even beyond that, really kind of getting into ministry, you take on this whole new thing for weddings. I'll be very honest with you. Very often I interchange the word wedding and funeral. Not intentionally, but it's because there's special services that come with the territory. And so I'll say, yeah, I got to do their funeral in October. And they're like, wait, what? And really, I mean, I'm doing a wedding, right? And so this new appreciation for weddings come about. Planning our wedding was very interesting. My mother-in-law will watch this later, I believe wholeheartedly. And so the night before our wedding, they had sent the bride home. She got the special treatment. Go get your beauty rest. Go pack your bags. Get ready to go. The groom, this guy, was with my soon-to-be in just a few hours mother-in-law, mother-in-law, Setting up candles and flowers, decorating the church. I'm pretty sure we finally left there, 1.30 or 2 o'clock, the morning of our wedding. Now, it's a fun story to tell, and it really was a bonding thing for us, and we go back and talk about it all the time because it was just that first mother-in-law, son-in-law bonding moment, and and everybody else had left, and I stayed with her to the very end uh, when she finally decided to go home, and then we showed up the next morning to get married. I never really understood the preparation that went into a wedding until we planned our own. And I still don't really think I understand the preparation that goes into wedding planning, even after planning our own. I didn't really have that much to do with it. But it got to a point, and and I'm marrying, uh, I'm going to officiate a wedding for my cousin and uh, his fiance in October, and we, we sat down with them several weeks ago and and I said you know I will be honest by this point in our engagement uh, we had gotten to a place where we were ready to just go to the courthouse and get married and be done 
Like we were tired of making decisions. We were tired of the process of planning. We were tired of the number of people that were going to attend growing and come. I mean, it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We were tired of dealing with this. And so the excitement, the, the preparation really just kind of got to a point where we were like, is this really even worth it? All we want to do is be married. Do we really have to have this whole day? I'll be honest. It was a great day. It was a beautiful day. Many times, Mike is like, I would go back and do that day all over again. Yes, honey, I would marry you, but I really am not excited about going through the process of the wedding day all over again. And so what's taking place in John chapter 2 is we see Jesus' mother introduced John is, is walking us through this narrative. Last week, we, we looked at a really deep thought, and we kind of stepped into, in the beginning was the Word. We connected the fact that the Word was God. The Word was with God. Everything was created by the Word. You with me? I did a pop quiz Wednesday night with our Bible study folks, and they failed miserably. Just going to be honest. I told you last Sunday, if you heard nothing else that I said, when you walked out, you need to be able to recite quote, no, John 1, 16. And I say that, and I'm sitting right here on a stool Wednesday night, and everybody just kind of looks at me. Family, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. That's a really, really major emphatic statement that you can pray over your life, you can speak over your life, and it was last Sunday's sermon, so you can go back and watch it. Because I got something else today. So John has walked us through this. So we've walked uh, through, through this conversation of chapter 1. And now we get to this place and it says that there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee. Cana is this little no-name kind of place. It's not really anything to it. And it's kind of off the beaten path. But the important detail that we have is ma- the, the mother of Jesus was there. It's interesting that John actually never calls her by name. He says that the mother of Jesus was there. Somehow, some way, they received an invite. I, I, it's always interesting to me to get wedding invitations, especially when it's people that you really don't necessarily know or connect with. And it's kind of like those graduation invitations that sometimes you just get and you know that, you know, they're wanting a gift. You have those? I mean, I'm, listen, we've talked about before. I'm real. Can I be real? I mean, I normally do the best to send them a gift. Then send me your graduation invitation. I'll send you a gift. But we know those things, right? You get a wedding invitation to a wedding, sure enough, you know you ain't going to, right? And then you have to plan a weekend getaway so that you have some reason that you can't, right? You don't do that. I don't either. So somehow, some way through the process, the mother of Jesus gets an invitation to a wedding. And she shows up. And what's interesting is it says that Jesus and his disciples were also invited. The guys have those verses on the screen, but I'm going to kind of preach it and talk in my way. So if you want to read it, you can read it. But And so they're there. And just like our wedding preparations were huge, we, we kind of have this thing now where we're ready to, we've got the minister we have a vocalist. We have caterers. Like, we're ready to go into the wedding business. Problem is, we already have a weekend job, so we can't take another weekend job on at the moment. We, we can do these weddings. And to put on a feast 
for a reception for a wedding is no small task. But it's even more interesting what's taking place in John chapter 2 because the custom is that the bridegroom would foot the bill. Thank you, Jesus. That's not the case in today's time. But the bridegroom would foot the bill for a celebration that would last an entire week. Every day, new people were showing up to feast and to partake of the wine. No, it wasn't about getting drunk. It wasn't about them, them consuming so much that it was this big major party. It was more about the, the fact of it was an, an honor thing. You had to present a good wine to the people when they showed up. You presented them with food. The same way we throw a wedding reception and, and we have our very best laid out for the folks that have attended this special day with us. We lay out food. We lay out fancy water with fruit in it just because it makes it look pretty, right? It, it, for them, they laid out this spread of food and they had wine and it had to last all week long. The problem is, I'm under the, the thought process, when it's gone, it's gone. Right? I mean, I've been taught to cook way more food than should be cooked, but I'm still under the thought process, when it's gone, it's gone. When it's gone, you get something else. Right? Problem is, in this culture, that didn't work. Because for the bridegroom to have not provided enough wine for this weeks-long celebration, for the wine to have ran out, means that now he's entering into marriage in this situation where socially he will be an outcast. He can't show face. He wasn't good enough. That dude couldn't even provide enough wine for the wedding. It really was this place that set him up for failure as he entered into this marriage relationship from the beginning. And so Mary, the mother of Jesus, Jesus and his disciples, at this point we believe he's called five, were there and Mary gets this bright idea and she says, hey son, they ain't got no more wine. And Jesus responds, not my problem. He said, woman, we have to be careful because he was not disrespectful. Kind of like we say, ma'am. He said, woman, what is this to you and what is this to me? Not my problem. And the mother of Jesus doesn't even act like he said anything because most good mothers don't. And they ignore the fact that he said something. <laughs> she said, hey, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Jesus is kind of like, did you not just hear me say, this is not my problem? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Jesus said, not my problem and not my time. My time has not yet come. She says, do what he says. So, Jesus, I don't really know how Jesus' personality worked. Mine would have been like, seriously? <sighs> Go fill the water jars up with water. See, there was these pig stone jugs. They held anywhere from 120 to 180 or 20 to 30 gallons each, so we would be looking at anywhere from 120 to 180 gallons total of water. 
A really important note to realize is that the servants filled them to the brim. Jesus said, take those jars. They were there so that they could actually wash. They were there to wash their hands. They were ceremonially supposed to, to cleanse in the process of this wedding. So they were, they were known to hold water. And Jesus said, take what it is that we have. Take the jars. Fill them to the brim. And I don't really know how the servants worked, and maybe they got kind of off in the back corner talking junk about Jesus. I don't really know how this worked, but, but they did what they were told. They fill them to the brim, and Jesus said, now take, uh, take some of that water, take it to the master of ceremonies, and let him have some. So they, they fill up the water jars to the brim. I don't understand what's going on right now. This crazy lady told us to listen to this guy, and now this guy's telling us to fill this up with water. What does this have anything to do with the fact we're out of wine? Somewhere in the transaction, from the fact that they dip the water and take it to the master of ceremonies, some transformation takes place. And when that water touches that man's tongue, it's better than anything he's had all week. He said, what, what are you doing? Most people serve the best wine first, which actually was diluted. If you kind of get down to the custom, they diluted it with water to make it last longer. Most people serve the best wine first, and then when everybody's already kind of had their feel, when, when everybody's burnt out already, toward the end of the week when the stragglers finally show up to celebrate the wedding ceremony, then we bring out the bad wine. And here you have waited to the end, you waited till it's run out, and you're bringing out something that's better than we've had all week long. You're bringing something that's better than anybody else could give me. This is too good. He said, I don't understand. The servants knew what had happened. Read it. Nobody else knew. The servants knew. And I can imagine them having this conversation. Did you just really, how did that even happen? We dipped water out of that jar. And we took that water. When he tasted that water, he's bragging on this water, thinking that it's, that man's lost his ever-loving mind. They knew what happened. The Bible says this began the ministry of Jesus and his disciples believed. And I just walked you through John 2, 1 through 12. See, so here's some thoughts. Really simple. You know why Jesus showed up to the wedding? He got an invitation. Why? I don't even know whose wedding it was. It wasn't in Jerusalem. It was in Cana of Galilee. Doesn't matter whose wedding it was. Doesn't matter how important they were or how low they were. It don't matter how far Jesus had to go to get there. The fact of the matter is Jesus was at the wedding simply because he received an invitation. The mother of Jesus was at the wedding and Jesus and his disciples were invited also. Jesus was there because he was invited to the wedding. Jesus has this mentality, and I, 
Don't misconstrue the title of the message. I don't believe that it was necessarily negative. He just knew what was going on. And he shows up at this wedding just to celebrate this awesome couple. And and mama says, son, they ain't got no more wine. Mama, that's not my problem. It ain't my time to be who it is that God set me forth to be yet. It's not my time to start walking in the glory. It's not my time to start performing these miracles yet. And mama said, I really don't care what you think your timing is like. It's time for you to start, son. Not my problem and not my time. But because he was there and there was a need, but he had been invited, all of a sudden we see something major take place and we see water turned into wine. We see the first miracle of Jesus take place simply because he was invited to a wedding. Not my problem. The water represents joy of life that has been emptied. This wine running out represents the emptiness that we so often feel. We got enough. It's Sunday. Lord, have mercy. I feel good today. It's a good day. Tomorrow, I'm going to be a little bit little bit turned down just a little bit. By Tuesday, I'm going to have to say, Lord, you got to do something in me and stir something up. And see, if we're not intentional... We get this fill up on Monday or on Sunday. We're full of joy. We're full of the spirit. We're full of what God's got going on for us. You showed up today. Fantastic. Awesome. You get a star. I'm proud of you. But the problem is we get to Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And by Wednesday, we're like slumping down and that wine starts running out. My joy's running low. My attention's running low. My intentions are running low. My patience running low. My humility's running low because I'm not doing anything to put anything back in that jar that was filled up on Sunday. And so the wine being gone represents the emptiness of life. And if we're not intentional, we find ourselves as a bridegroom thinking, what in the world have I done? All these people are depending on me. i got a family depending on me to provide for them. I've got people at work depending on me to to do what I've been called to do. I've got kids that are depending on me not to, to beat them to death. I've got all these people depending on me, but I'm slammed empty down to the bottom of the jar. Jesus said, fill the jars with water to the brim. Fill them up. It's interesting to me, and here's the, those servants did what they were told to do. They didn't fill them with wine. They filled them with water. Pure, clean water. We only have a certain capacity. This water trough right here is kind of bowing on the back. And you don't know it, but it kind of has bothered me all night. And I wondered if the drum set was going to kind of wash out. There's a certain capacity of water this trough can hold. You with me? Yesterday afternoon, I ran a hose pipe from outside and I filled it up. I couldn't let it keep going. It holds its capacity. I filled it up for a purpose. I even put some fancy little heater in it with a pump. Feels like bath water. These jars were empty. They filled them up with water. And what's so cool to me about this is Jesus was able to take what those ordinary servants put into those jars And transform that into something that was extraordinary that the wedding director had never tasted before. 
water to the best wine. How'd it happen? It happened out of obedience. Servants fill the jars up to the brim. So here's what the Lord kind of dropped in my heart. Maybe kind of hit it on my head. I don't know. If they'd have never filled the jars up with water, he could have never turned the water into wine. It's real simple. We overcomplicate it. They needed wine. Not my problem, not my time. But since I'm here anyway, if you do your part and you fill up your jar with something, it ain't got to be perfect. It ain't got to be the best. It's just got to be something. You got to be willing to put in some time. You've got to be willing to put in some effort. You got to be willing to crack your Bible on Sunday other than Sunday. You've got to be willing to spend some time in prayer and asking the Lord. I've been reading this Bible plan called Dangerous Prayers. I want to pray dangerous prayers that challenge me, that break me, that make me do crazy things where God can really shake something up inside of me. We got to put forth the effort. I don't know how long it took them to get 120 to 180 gallons of water in these big old 30 gallon stone pots. I'd imagine they were heavy. I'd imagine they weren't easy to carry. I'd imagine it wasn't easy to fill them up, but they put forth the effort to fill them up with pure water. What they did have, they filled those jars up with. And what's so cool is out of their obedience, Jesus said, now take it to the master of ceremonies. Take it to your problem. Take it to your situation. Take it to the one that's judging you. Take it to the one that wants to put you down. The one that wants to tell you you're not good enough. The one that wants to put it in your face that we're out of wine. Take that water, that thing that you had, the thing you were able to fill up your jar with, take into that master of ceremonies and see what I can do when he tastes it. Somewhere in the transaction, I don't know how far it was. I'd imagine when they got in that glass and they're walking, they're thinking, man, this is dumb. I feel like I'm so stupid in this moment. Are you sure, Jesus? Here, all they had to do was fill the jar and carry the glass. Why do we try to do it all? I ain't got to turn water into wine. I don't even want no wine. Why are we trying to do it all? Why are we trying to let our will be done rather than thy will be done? Why am I letting that master of ceremonies I'll be honest with you, you met a wedding director? They're the one part of the wedding I'm not a huge fan of. I let them do their piece and speak their minds until the people get to the altar, then it's my wedding to officiate. I don't like wedding directors. Most of the time. They're the hard ones to please. They're the ones that got that snappy type A personality. You need to be right there. You need to be right there. You walked in too fast. You need to slow down. You cannot walk in until you get to the third pew. Then when that person gets there, then you take a no, go back. You got to start over. You got to do it again. And by the time this poor groomsman who's never been to a wedding his entire life makes it to the altar, he's thinking, what in the world have I got myself into just by being a friend? The wedding director will make him feel like a complete worthless idiot that don't know how to walk right i'm being for real 
Put it in today's terms. So many situations the enemy is putting you through makes you feel dumb, makes you feel worthless, makes you feel useless, like you can't even think your own thoughts and get them right. The master of ceremonies would want to destroy us. All they had to do was put water in the jar and take it and say, taste this, son. Because what he didn't know was the son of God had put something inside of that. I don't believe he walked over and stirred his finger. I don't even think he got off his seat. I think he said, hey, you see them jars? If mama said I got to do this, I'm going to do it. You see them jars? Go fill them up with water to the brim and take some to the guy. And I think he probably just sat back and watched. Watch this, guys. Because... When the word that had become flesh, you got to go back with me to last week. The word was God. The word is God. All things were created through him. Nothing was created that did not come through him. You with me? That was the same word in verse 14 that became flesh and dwelt among us. The word of God, the very God himself is the one sitting on that pew simply because he was invited to the wedding. And he said, fill them jars up and take some to the master. All we've got to do is fill our jar up with what we can put in it. And then God's going to bless it. He's going to anoint it. He's going to transform transform it. I cannot transform me. I can't transform myself. I can't transform anything that I have. But if I fill it up with what I've got, pour the effort into those jars, then as I'm, I'll be honest, if I was a servant taking it, I'd kind of walk with my head down. You agree? They don't know the man. He's just a wedding attendant. I don't walk with my head down. Sir, I was told to serve you this. You were told to what? I was told to serve. <laughs> I was told to serve you this. Out of obedience, this sermon's right now. I'm writing it as I go. Out of obedience and out of service, that man took one sip and said, where in the world did this come from? And that servant didn't say anything. But the fact was, it didn't come from the world. It came from out of the world. It came from the heavenly places. It came from an anointed son of God that had became flesh and dwelt among us. That's where that good taste in wine had come from. Why? Because he got an invitation. Not my problem. Here's the struggle, and I'm done. We fail to send Jesus the invitation. Maybe we send him the invitation to the big parts of life, but we fail to send him the invitations to the little parts, or to the dark parts, to the secret parts, to the parts down deep that really hurt us the most. I don't want to send him an invitation. The only reason that bridegroom was able to save face and face society was because Jesus happened to get an invitation. Now stop with me for a minute and you think about the people that were affected. Here's, here's the thought. The bridegroom himself, first of all, he now gets to face society under this redeeming grace 
because he didn't run out of wine. The mother of Jesus, I think she was like, boy, son. I don't care if they want your problem. I don't care if they want your time. Look at you anyway. She's the encourager, the support. We need support. We need encouraging. That's the whole reason we come together. You could sit at home and watch online. You could read your own Bible on your own. I believe the Holy Spirit can work in your life. God can fill you to the brim, and you can have all the blessings in the world. The problem is you don't have the encouragement, and you're missing the fact of encouraging others. Hebrews said, don't neglect gathering together with fellow believers to lift each other up, to build each other up, and encourage one another. The bridegroom, the mother of Jesus, the master of ceremonies was shut up. That wedding director that was complaining because there won't no more wine was shut up. The voice yakking at that bridegroom you ain't good enough son you think you deserve this girl you can't even provide enough meal meal you can't even provide enough drink for the the week-long ceremony you think you're good enough to go through this life like this you shut up all the people that showed up after see they had just gotten mediocre wine with their cheese at the beginning of the week But everybody that showed up after Jesus performed this miraculous transformation, they got some high-class stuff. Because when Jesus transforms something in your life, the people around you are then affected from that point forward. Everybody around you is going to be partaking something of you now that's going to flow out of you. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep going. If you do the math... The one thing that I was reading, I did not do the math, said that 180 gallons of wine is enough to fill 2,000 four-ounce glasses. It keeps flowing and flowing and flowing, and all those people now are affected in a different way because Jesus showed up and did something. The last verse, verse 12, says this began the ministry of Jesus This was the first miracle, and his disciples believed. His disciples believed. This was the point, although it's not my problem and not my time, this was the point that belief took place in the ones closest to him. This was the point that God did something amazing and all of a sudden, those five men, whoever showed up that day, it, there was five he was, he was interacting with at this point. Those guys were now who I can stand here. They started that church a long, long, long time ago and here because they believed on that day. We stand as a church and continue to preach the same gospel. They believed. So often, I'm waiting on God to do something in my life. And I need him to stir something. And I don't understand why the refreshing is not coming. I don't understand why I'm empty. I never invited him to the wedding. It wasn't his time. It wasn't his problem. Therefore, when I think, God, this isn't your problem and this isn't your time, I don't believe I'm really inaccurate to think that way. It wasn't his time. 
It wasn't his place or his problem to fix the issue. You agree? I read the word of God literally. He said, what's this got to do with us? My time has not come. Not my problem and not my time. Yet even though it wasn't his problem, and even though it wasn't his time, he cared enough about everybody involved to still perform the miracle. So what does that tell me? When I'm empty, when I'm down to my last drop, as long as he's invited, he's going to move. I believe all things are working together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I believe that I can ask anything according to the will of God and it will be done. But it's according to the will of God. But if he's not there, there's zero chance he moves. All they had to do was invite him. And he showed up. And he performed this miracle. Father, I love you, Lord. God, I believe as this song is saying, your desire is to bring new wine out of us. You want to bring something new, something fresh. When my joy is gone, when I feel empty, when I feel dried up, when I feel left alone, and, and the enemy, the devil, would want to come and accuse me and tell me that I'm dried up and that I'm broken and that I have no joy. When, when that master of ceremonies would want to bark at me and tell me how worthless I am, God, you want to bring new wine out of my life. And today, God, I recognize that comes only through obedience and through service. I worship you and I serve you in your obedience, God. Father, there's some of us today that maybe we feel dried up. Maybe we feel like we're empty. God, I believe that if we invite you to the situation, if we simply invite you in to the situation, God, that you are going to move. Lord, we're to fill our water jars up to the brim with water. I can't create wine out of nothing. I can take water. I can fill the jars with my prayers. I can fill the jars with my obedience. I can fill the jars with my worship. I can fill the, the jars with my commitment to my time with you, Lord. I can fill the jars with the word of God in my life. I can't create miracles, God, but I can be committed and faithful in the practical things to fill the jars. And I believe, God, as long as you're invited and I filled the jars, that miraculous transformation is going to take place. Father, I pray, God, today that as we let this word soak in, realizing that there's life in you, you simply need to be invited. God, let us invite you into every situation of our life, every area of our life, every place of our life, so that you can make a difference in us today. God, we give you Ourself, when it makes no sense, Lord, I recognize that maybe it really isn't your problem or your time, God, but I know 
out of your abundance of grace and mercy and abundance of blessings. Father, by the invitation, you'll move in my life. Father, I pray that you do just that. Fill us up with your joy today. Fill us up with your peace, your love, humility, patience, kindness, goodness, Father, your gentleness, and your self-control. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.